Hello and welcome to Act the Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today we are talking about Anyway, The Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell, the final book in the Simon Snow trilogy with the return of our esteemed Simon Snow alum, Melissa. Hi, thank you guys for having me back. I'm really, really excited. I um, listened to the Carry On and Wayward Sun episodes we did, and I had somehow forgotten that I was your guys' first guest. You You were. were. I feel so special. Again, again, I feel so special. And it feels so long ago, too. And it was was what, like nine months ago? It was October 2020. Oh, my God. It when I remember recording the episode, I don't think about 2020 like in context at all. So that means that we had such a good time that I just forgot about everything else. And um also that was like a week and a half before my relationship of six years ended. But I sound completely stable on that episode. <laughs> so I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> you do well done. Yeah. Thank you for doing it with us at that time. But (laughs) it was, uh, yeah, it was our first episode of The Guest and it was like our first series that we covered and we intentionally started with Fangirl and then this. And this feels like already going to cry because this book is very emotional. This journey is very emotional. These books are like part of why all of us are friends. And uh, this is very long awaited and super excited to be here. If you did listen to that, episode of ours previously and you've seen on socials before we did wear a matching Watford shirts for that recording we are wearing them again today of course and we are joined by a special guest which is one of the best standees if you've ever seen Rainbow Rowell promote them <laughs> which I purchased because I apparently like I have no sense of money and I was just like okay I'll buy this and now he's here with me yeah, when it comes to uh, six foot tall vampires, there is no limit. There is no limit. So he's here with us here today, watching over my shoulder and making sure we we talk about all the right things. So let's start before we get into the book with our obsessions this week, things that we're really into. I'm not gonna lie, I don't have much besides this book, friends. Kind of a big one for me. I think other than that, I've been watching some television which is a nice change of pace. Watched all the talks on HBO Max, which is really great. Jean Smart plays a a stand-up comedian in Vegas, and it's very funny. She gets paired with a millennial comedian who was canceled because of a tweet, and they kind of have to work together to establish their relevancy in different ways, and that was really fun. And then I've also just been re-watching both Never Have I Ever, Mindy Kaling produced and created show, on Netflix and then also season one of Ted Lasso, which I've talked about before on the show um, because both season two of those shows come out the day this episode drops, I think. So I don't know what I'm watching this weekend. <laughs> anyway, how are you guys? What are you into? Melissa? Yeah. So actually I read this book twice since it came out <laughs> seven days ago. So I've been pretty obsessed. Oh with my it. God. Was that really just seven days? Ago? I know that made me feel insane when I said it, but it's true. <laughs> um, but I've also watched the black widow movie three oh, yeah. times since it came out on Thursday. So it's been a real week of just <laughs> Melissa doesn't know half measures. I, no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's just been me. Um, just diving deep into these two worlds. But like, 
I'm going to maybe make a couple connections for, to Black Widow in any way the wind blows. Mostly just silly. I could work harder and maybe think of some thematic <laughs> stuff. But really, it's just like these are two things that I have been obsessed with the characters within them for a very, very, very long time. And then the Black Widow movie and the third book in the Simon So trilogy are like things that I have been waiting for forever and they are both I guess spoilers um extremely fucking good so it's just been like I have waited so long for this I'm just going to live in these properties literally until someone tears me away from them (laughs) totally true and Black Widow yeah it was so good I've only watched it one time but it was just last night so I've got I've got more opportunities ahead of me it was real good yeah very good very very good Asia what are you into like you, I haven't gotten around to a lot of stuff, but I did read The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren. I'm not sure if you talked about it on the pod before. Maybe. Um, I think I did. Yeah, but it's the it's the rom-com about this uh, guy that invents this biological, like DNA-based um, matchmaking app. And uh, yeah, very, very fun rom-com. Uh, Christina Lauren is back in form um i haven't liked a ton of their more their newer releases but i really loved this one and i also finished the poppy war trilogy uh with the burning god and it broke me and i think that's one of the reasons i haven't gotten around to a lot this week is i've just been trying to deal with the fallout of that so read those books guys i guess we love to be broken by fictional (laughs) stories Oh, wait, that's why we're here today. <laughs> yeah, anything that makes me feel like I have to lay on the ground. <laughs> exactly. There was there was laying on the ground. There was like pacing my house in tears, just like <laughs> <laughs> for what could have been, you know, like at, it was a mess. But I mean, yeah. they're very good. So anything that makes you feel that strongly is is probably worth it. Yeah. So anything that makes me again, feel very strongly. <laughs> Let's talk about this book because whoo feelings. And this is normally where we do the our quick book summary here. And I quite frankly tried to sit down and write it and was like, not a ton plot-wise happens, which is one of the things we've all talked about off air. Uh, but it's just feelings explosion. So like I guess the bullet points are Simon and Bez and Penny return from America. Simon and Bez break up, but only for like a day. Simon and Baz get back together and decide to work on things together. Meanwhile, Penny tries to help Shepard break the demon curse that he has on him. Ultimately does. Agatha starts to work at her father's doctor practice. Meets, re-meets a girl named Neve, who used to be one of her teammates at Watford, who is a veterinarian. Starts helping her with the, the goats at Watford, who end up being magical protectors of Watford. There's also a an alleged chosen one, a self-proclaimed chosen one named Smith Smith Richards, which is such a ridiculous name. <laughs> He's promising to make non-powerful mages powerful. That's a lie. He's not really doing that, but it brings Simon close to what we know is his actual relatives. His uncle has been taken in by this false chosen one, and he meets his, unbeknownst to him, his grandmother, and uh, ultimately does find out at the end of the book 
in one of my like favorite reveals ever that he is Lucy and the Mage's son, which is one thing we really wanted from the Carry On book. So that's kind of where we're left for Simon, and we're left with Baz and his vampires and realizing that he doesn't have to be immortal necessarily. And uh, that was my off-the-cuff summary. <laughs> I feel like you nailed it. I mean, the yeah. only thing that's missing is just a complete and utter constant onslaught of feelings. So yeah. much feelings and a lot of kissing. Every second in this book is swoony. Even when they're not like actually doing swoony shit, just like every normal conversation makes me swoon. Yeah. Even the breakup is swoony. Like it's... Yeah. It's the most romantic breakup I've ever had. At one point in the book, Simon says, like, I feel like I'm just following Baz around with my heart in my hands. And that's how I feel about this book. Yeah. Like, I am just, I'm not making my own choices anymore. It's just like, whatever (laughs) I have to do so that I can get back to reading this book with my heart just in my hands. Like, take it, Rainbow Fine. (laughs) It's already been yours for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) True that. So I think what we wanted to do today was first start with Agatha and Penny because sometimes on the show we've learned that when we talk about like the really big things, other characters get pushed to the wayside at the end as we start to run out of time. So we want to make sure we give our two leading ladies here the credit that they're due because they both have great stories in this book. And I loved it. Any preference on who we talk about first? Go Penny. Penny. Penny book. I couldn't have loved it more. Well, first of all, I think we have to start with the fact that she's like separated from Simon from this book, which is very intentional by Rainbow. If you've read any of, well, she only kind of gave one interview uh, since this, and she also did an event with Barnes and Noble on release day and talked about how it was very intentional. Like Penny has always been this, this stock best friend sidekick character to Simon's chosen one. And she needed to have her own journey in this book. And I loved that for her. Yeah. I really hated watching her like suffer while her and Simon were like friend broken up. But those are like really, really important lessons that we all have to learn, which is that like you have to listen to what your friends actually need and then respect their boundaries. Like, and I think that this goes perfectly with Penny's whole thing of like realizing that she's wrong sometimes which I loved that journey for her too as well where she's just sitting there being like I'm a wrong person now like how does anybody make any decisions if they can be wrong and it's like yeah Penny you should maybe think before you do things I like I said I hate to see her suffer but like I'm really happy for her I really love that self-awareness from her for like really the first time that she actually sat down with their history and was like, oh, I have pushed him into a lot of this stuff, or I have been this kind of overbearing, controlling at times friend. And like, obviously not in a bad way. And and the intentions are always completely pure with Penny, but, you know, she is an extreme type A type of person. And um, I think her taking that step back from Simon, even when he tried to like reconnect them right away, and she didn't really allow that to happen until the end was really necessary for both of them. Yeah. Because I think they both use each other as crutches. Yeah, they do. Her mom tells her at one point during this book that she doesn't solve problems. She makes problems. And Penny says at one point to Shepard, that's true. That's what I do. So then I love then how she actually gets to solve a problem on her own in this book. In 
again, as a lawyer, I particularly love that she like breaks this contract uh, that Shepard has entered into to sell his his soul away. And she gets him out of it. And it's Shepard, a beautiful idiot. I, I love him so much. He's I just love such Shepherd. great himbo energy. So much. The whole scene of them making out, which I love for both of them so much, into him being <laughs> like, I realize this is going to sound very serious given that we are just now making out, but you must know that I have also promised my first burn child and I have this person STD, which shouldn't affect you. Unless you want to sleep with mer people. It was just, oh my God, it was the funniest fucking thing. But like that means that like Shepard also learned because Penny is like, how dare you not tell me that like this was an engagement and not just a run of the mill demon curse, I guess. And she says this thing where she's like, don't surprise me. And I'm like, yeah, I hate surprises. That is a fact about me. So I was like, yes, Penny, this is very, very relatable content. But I mean, Shepard like knew that he wasn't going to get a second chance to like make that mistake with Penny. So he was like, I don't want to lose my window to like be honest with you about this, even though yeah. this laundry list of him just I know being this an is, idiot for so long. This is going to make it sound more serious than we are. Yeah. It's and so then, but I love that funny. for Penny because she immediately like, like it seems like she's kind of maybe in a silent rage for a second, but she's just, she gathers her shit and she's like, all right, time to expel this demon curse. No kidding. Just gets right on it. Because despite being all horned up, she realizes when he said that he lost his last name, that he can't have this contract Mm -hmm. and she can multitask. We love it. We love it so much. Yeah, no, that was just all, it was really great. I also, on that same note, then when they uh, tell Baz and Simon, how she broke the the curse. It made me cry where they all like toast her. And one of my, there's lots of fun callbacks that we'll keep talking about as we go through. But um, in Wayward Son, Baz thinks to himself about how uh, Penelope Bumps is a very f- fierce musician. He do- doesn't mind saying. And that's what he says when he knows her. And I just started to cry because I <laughs> love it so much, even though he's only three quarters of her friend. Oh my god, I love that too. That Baz and Agatha are both three quarters of a friend to Penny because <laughs> yeah. she only has two and a half. <laughs> um, and that's kind of, that's a callback to carry on too. That's where she first started talking about how she only had two and a half friends. Um I love well, Shepard just completely like I really just want somebody to let me be mean smart to them. Like Everything she says to him is like kind of mean, but he just doesn't care because she's just like so smart and so competent. And he keeps thinking like, I'm having the time of my life with this like girl who keeps being mean to me. I just, this is the dream. Like Shepard, where you at? Um, but like, I love that his like Shepard's competence is that he is so charming because he is just genuinely so kind. And that is so great to see as a competence but the fact that it's also like his greatest liability like yeah i rainbow said it best like what cursed morons or like yeah whatever. that's one of my favorite quotes <laughs> who, who apparently how to keep finding these tragic morons tragic morons <laughs> yeah I, I think we all like shepherd in wayward son but what i like about him in this book is that he's kind of humbled in a lot of ways because he's not his home turf anymore so he doesn't be like 
get to be the cocky brash American who's like, well, let me tell you about all these uh, maybes. Is that in this mm-hmm. world? Okay. <laughs> I can't remember mm-hmm. sometimes if I'm mixing my fantasy series when I say things. Um, He talks about the maybes and, and whatnot, but then he comes to England and he like is really not on his home turf anymore and he isn't really in control. So he's not quite as like ostentatious in the same way, mm-hmm. but he does still have like that kindness. Like you strip all that away and you really get like the core of Shepard and he's kind of unsure of himself a little bit, but he's like just really nice to everyone. And I just loved him infinitely more in this book uh, mm-hmm. than I did in We Were Son. And I did like him a lot in that book. It was, it was great to see. One of my favorite swoon moments is actually Shepard. And it's like at the end when Penny's like, you should stay. And he's like, you should come home with me or just wait here for me. But he says, let me come back to you on my own two feet. And that shit just kills me. It's like, so swoony. He's got the biggest, I mean, um, like people are talking a lot right now about um, the man written by a woman energy. And I mean, oh, yeah. obviously Shepard is a man written by a woman, but like literally that is, that is Shepard right there. Like just the sweetest himbo but like like competent and like still hot you know he doesn't lose any of those things by being one or the other oh he's just the best yeah and the other thing that I want to make sure I talk about with Penny and Shepard is like while they're kissing I believe Penny thinks like what else could I have been wrong about I hope he shows me I want him to show me and I am just like obsessed with this idea that Shepard makes something that Penny was like ashamed of being wrong or like insecure about the fact that she's not always right and he turns it into this thing that she's like excited about exploring with him and I just I really can't deal with it I can't deal with most of this whole book so I apologize (laughs) It's super great. I also find it really swoony when they're making out to where he likes. He says something like her her shoulder was very soft. Like maybe like her waist is very soft. I've got a good feeling about the rest of her. I'm like, oh, Shepard. Uh, but I think well, there's I have some other thoughts too. I'm like body positivity and and stuff in this book. And Agatha is the tall, thin, like pretty one. And Penny has always been like on the chubbier side and rainbow has always been very intentional in writing characters like that because of her own um, self-representation. She wants to have those types of characters in there. So I like always love to see when we got this hot American, although like he's always wearing very strange corduroy. So I'm, I'm glad they have <laughs> these weirdos on each other. A couple other quick Penny things. One of my absolute favorite moments I laughed aloud was Penny's comment about how she could have purple hair. I put that rainbow. <laughs> that like fandom inside joke because people have been saying for years that Penny has purple hair and she's like, where are you getting this? That is not in the text. So she put it in the text, just a little, like a little nod to that ongoing fandom, like the, the fanon thing. And it's just so funny and self-aware given like how this story was created and fangirl. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's so good. I do want to also just briefly talk about Penny and her mom in this book. We get a lot of Matali bumps in this book, which is really interesting. And that's another thing that Rainbow has said in her press for this book is that she wanted to be really intentional in showing the flawed parents around them and how Matali is just like the end. She's like making comments about how Penny's with a normal and she's like, really? You're saying this today? Like, haven't we learned things? Yeah, that's like one of my favorite things. 
yeah. in this book. But I also love the moment too then because one of the things that's interesting about it and it, I think everyone's mileage may vary on it and I personally didn't mind it is the lack of like plot tie and two wayward son. And when I do like those, we do just get that one moment from Mitali where she says like, oh, like I have so many things going on. Like I've got my daughter doing magic on YouTube and I can't even like think about it. She does. Yeah. She says it to like Simon and Baz. I think she's like my own child could end up doing magic on YouTube and I wouldn't have the energy to deal with it. Like, and they're both like, (laughs) (laughs) my notes are literally all caps. Natali, LOL. You're on the coven. Like, I love, yeah, I like when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that's such like a kind, it's kind of like a throwaway line. Cause it's like funny, but it actually does tie in. Well, tie up actually like a pretty big loose end from wayward son because they did do so much crazy magic over there and they were worried about what was going to happen. And rainbow's just like, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't really matter because this is all about feelings anyway. But it's like, I maybe like a year or two from now would have thought like, no one ever cared that they <laughs> were on YouTube <laughs> during magic and rainbow's like, don't even worry about it. I got you. It's there's, fine. There's also a throwaway moment too, where Simon says something like, do you think we should say something about like the now next vampires? And that's basically like, it's fine. Like the lamb and his vampires are taking care of them. And like, we just have to deal with the world of mages in England. Like, so like, and I think rainbow too has said about wayward son, like it is, she's playing with like the road trip rope and like that as a plot construct and as like a actual journey of like self-discovery for the characters versus more like plot things so i'm fine with not really getting more from that book it's a nice fun diversion from being that it's funny as hell um but i i'm glad we were back on on british soil for this book for sure so yeah like penny you're just uh okay Damn. What a book for Agatha Wally Love. I can't. Rainbow really said Simon and Agatha is just compet, like just compulsory heterosexuality. Yeah. So as soon as she starts interacting with Neve, I'm like, hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. It had very big, like Simon and Carry On energy where he's noting things about bass's appearance Mm -hmm. and being like huh i'm like really interested in this it's like simon you don't go to baz's football match unless you're like low-key into him agatha you don't go to watford which you hate you ran away to america to get away from the world of mages and to get away from watford and everything happened there you don't go there unless you you have a big old crush so i loved it i felt it was very natural it like made a lot of sense like i thought their relationship development was really sweet and I, I i loved that for agatha yeah me too i really like i noticed this or i guess i started thinking about this during my second read um because i think i caught on to the neve and agatha thing like pretty late in my first read okay. um but just that neve like forces agatha to be a whole person because she the only things that she knows about her are these like false assumptions that make Agatha antagonistic, which gives them something to talk about and like makes Agatha use her personality in conversations. Not that Agatha 
doesn't have a personality, but I feel like anytime that she's allowed to, she just can't be fucked with it. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's a real, I love that. Like, I think that she would just rather let people go with their assumptions and just mind her own business, except for when it's these like false assumptions and this like chosen one bullshit that she's really trying to get away from. So she's like, no, I'm going to use all of my words and make you see that I'm a real person. And I just, I love that someone was able to like ruffle Agatha's feathers to the point where like she cares. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way of putting it. And then the, that's just like the best full circle that I like could have ever imagined for Agatha. Like, you know, the send off for Ab in this book was beautiful. And mm-hmm. I love the connection of Agatha then taking care of, the goat at Watford and after being so resistant to this world for so long, she found what her calling is within this world, but she did it on her terms and it's just beautiful. Yeah. I loved when she like talks to Ab at her grave. Ouchie. I know. To me, a lot of it does. That's the tagline for this book. Ouchie. Yeah, no, really. Um, what are your guys thoughts on Agatha being the epilogue? Um, I liked her epilogue, but I kind of wish we'd gotten more, like from maybe even more from Agatha, more more from some either no epilogues or like epilogues for everybody. I don't know. I have weird feelings about the end of this book. Yeah, I don't know why it necessarily it doesn't feel like. I mean, I guess because the other books have epilogues, Wayward Son has a prologue. I don't necessarily think that it needed to be an epilogue. Like it could have just been like Agatha being like, it's been a year. I'm out here with my goats. Like it I didn't add anything. I don't feel like calling it. An, yeah. See, I feel like it did add a lot for me because I think Simon and Baz's arcs in particular, like their story is still ongoing. We'll talk about them mm-hmm. more when we talk about them. Agatha is really the one that we can give some wrap up with a bow moment and I think her finding peace and we find that in that epilogue is such a good standard and such a good choice from rainbow of like just giving us one final like glimpse of they're okay and if like Agatha's gonna be okay you know we can think about how Simon and Baz will be okay and how Penny and Shepard are gonna be okay and so I loved it but I kind of like an ambiguous ending and I like a lot about the the ending of this book, um, which we'll talk more about. Uh, so I, I liked it for that reason. It is really short, but we were worried going into this book. And I think we talked about it in our last episode, maybe a little bit. Or we've definitely talked about it off air. Like, you know, her, El- her Eleanor and Park ending is very ambiguous. She doesn't always tie things up super neatly. And I, I do like the ending of that book. So I have this kind of ambiguity a little bit more here. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't know. I just, I feel like, the epilogue didn't really need to be there because we got all of that from Agatha at the end of the book, you know, like it, I didn't, I don't know. I guess I'm saying, I don't feel like Agatha's story needed that bow on it because I already figured that's what was going to happen, I guess. I don't know. Like, and this doesn't really mean anything, but like I, what I really thought was like, what are we trying to say that, the epilogue is Agatha's when this is the Simon Snow trilogy. Like, and it's not that I don't love Agatha as much as I love Simon. Cause I do. I just thought that was kind of an interesting choice. Cause it's like, Oh, were we really supposed to just be watching Agatha the whole time? Like, I don't think that rainbow works that way. I just, 
thought it was like kind of jarring for that reason. But like Corinne, like I don't, I like it. I don't, and I don't think you're saying that you like dislike it, but. I don't know. I feel like there's maybe like a metaphor there with like the goats. They they know their own way home. <laughs> maybe like reading too into it. <laughs> I do like that Agatha says like I think I'll stay a while because like her whole thing has been like running away from the world of majors. So it's like if Agatha, the one person who wanted to get away from this the most, can be like settled and staying, then it's like yeah, this is like a way. I don't even want to say it, but like. All is well. <laughs> yeah, no, it it, it kind of is. And like, okay, if if we if Agatha can, can find that space within the world of me, just like, what is it going to mean for Simon? And well, you know, we'll talk about we'll talk about that. Um, I do want to talk briefly though. One of the scenes that like made me already like cry very early on in this book. It was after the breakup scene, which definitely made me cry. But the scene where Simon goes to get his wings taken off, and mm. Agatha is there for him. Simon like apologizing to her and she's like really now and like they both start crying and then like Neve's working on him and she just like turns to him and like whisper like she's like holding his little hands and she goes you oh I whisper to Simon he smiles thanks when was the last time you slept so it's like it was just a really nice moment for them where we learn like how much they did care for each other their relationship was like fucked up for so many reasons and they both know that and they've both kind of had to deal with that and move apart from that but they did care about each other and I like that for them I think they really needed that closure I think that was really important um especially because in carry on Agatha was almost like so much of a non-character in Mm -hmm. so many ways that she I mean she'd even resigned herself to be in the position of just Simon Snow's girlfriend this is what I'm gonna be I guess and then when when they broke up and he hooked up with Baz, it became so like the focus was so much on them that you didn't really sit and think about the impact that Simon and Agatha must have had on each other's lives as as kind of just a not, I don't want to say like a fake relationship, but um, it was what's the word I'm thinking for. Right yeah, <laughs> no, like brain dead. It was, it was like a starter relationship. <laughs> yeah, as as like you know. Uh, um, compet I guess is their relationship ended up being and maybe like really kind of non-romantic in, in a lot of ways they were still together for what like five to eight years mm-hmm. and yeah. you're gonna have a big impact on somebody's life in that time they had a huge impact on each other's lives so I liked that that they got to come together in that moment and kind of like acknowledge how important they were to each other and to yeah. provide comfort there's a moment uh, later in the book where Baz sees Agatha and Simon like together when they're herding goats and Baz is like, oh, like, look how comfortable Simon is with Agatha. Like he's almost never that comfortable with anybody. And that's yeah. just really sweet. I'm just happy that they're all friends. Yeah, there's a really nice moment in that same scene where they're all like herding the goats. And it's just it's so funny because Baz is just like, I have I have no purpose here today in this journey. But like Simon's flying around. He's like super into it. But Agatha thinks like, like something like, oh, are like they're my friends. Like and not in like a bad way, but she's just like, oh, I think like they are. It's like a moment of recognition. And it's really she's so hesitant to agree with that in wayward son i also like that it led her to kind of like defend that friendship to neve when neve like pushed on it a little i was like oh yeah you're friends like kind of in a snide way and it made you know i think agatha's defense of those friendships made her appreciate those friendships more and realize that they they were real 
Yeah. Agatha has a turn everything to ash spell just at the tip of her tongue at all times. And I also love that for her. Eleanor's like burning shit in her room. It's, it's great. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to have to leave my room. I am running out of things to burn. <laughs> um, I also loved when Agatha was like, oh, plot twist. Uh, my parents have taken charge. <laughs> <laughs> she like she, I don't think she actually says this but you could just feel her being like I did not think they had it in them <laughs> so good Agatha when I, I think it's just like the her whole journey is just really interesting to me because like Rainbow has talked a lot about how she was really hard to write at first and like kind of didn't want to include her in Wayward Son and I'm just really glad she did and I'm glad she stuck with the character because I think she offers a lot. I mean, I liked all of her stuff in Wayward Son. Um, I'll never get over her like inherent distrust over like white boys named Brayden. Like it was just perfect stuff mm-hmm. from her. Um, but like I, I just I really liked getting to see her whole journey play out here. Are you ready, guys? <laughs> no, never. I don't even know like where to start, honestly. Um, I guess we should start with the breakup, maybe. Should we just go like chronological? <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, so I guess, like, generally, it's, like, taking a rewind step back and kind of what we were thinking was going to happen here. One of the things we said on our last episode was, like, how they were ever going to be able to deal with all their shit and still have a healthy relationship. We're, like, they kind of, like, they do need to break up for a while. Like, they need to, like, have this time. Like, will there be a time jump? Like, well, what's it going to be? So, for this breakup to happen at what? Like, chapter 13? 12. Yeah, it's so soon. It's so early. I was, like, oh, fuck. Like, what What is happening? I know. But, like, in retrospect, I love that it happened so quick because it gets resolved so quick. And then it's just... 400 pages of like swoon but yeah that would have been really hard to deal with if it had been like yeah half and it would have built up to a breakup angst i would that- not have wanted to spend a bunch of time with them in a miserable relationship like yeah. uh, we've all been in miserable relationships i'll need extra of them in my books one of the most important things i think that this book did was address like t- simon is kind of a toxic boyfriend he was kind of mm-hmm. a toxic boyfriend with agatha he was a toxic boyfriend with baz and i like that needed to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Simon's going through it, you know, but he was not a good boyfriend and and he was kind of right to break up with Baz because of that. Like he knew he wasn't a good boyfriend, but him losing Baz and and that driving him to realize like, oh no, these are, there are things that I'm willing to fight for that I need to fight for now um, when he had been just sort of numb to everything for, you know, ever since he lost his magic. Um, it was I think, a really important thing that needed to happen. Yeah. And when I first read this, I thought that then his his heel turn to coming back to Baz was like too fast. But I really love and it makes sense to me how Baz says to him as he's leaving. I never thought I'd be the first thing he gave up on. But then he <laughs> so so upsetting. But then he goes and he's getting his wings taken can often Neve is talking about oh yeah like you saved us like you just kept going like you you just kept fighting like you just kept going and he's like looking at the ground and like it totally makes sense and that he has that moment and he explains it then too it was like I didn't cry like I didn't I just like love all of it it's, I love it it's like hurtful but I, I love it too much wait although we need to rewind back to the note which 
Simon. My dude. Simon fully pulled a burger from Sex in the City and broke up with Baz via post-it, basically. Essentially. <laughs> and Baz post-it. reacted pretty much as Carrie <laughs> reacted. Yeah. It was, it's a bad move, man. Like, ignoring his texts for hours, like, days, basically. Mm-hmm. And then leaving him a note. Like, not even texting him the break. Leaving him a note to be delivered by somebody else. That is he just basically makes like Simon's it. a coward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until he snaps out of it and realizes that he needs to fight for Baz, which I kind of feel like it's like he realizes that he's allowed to make his own choices about what to fight for, because even though he thinks that he was a willing participant in all of his shenanigans he did with the mage, he wasn't like he was a child that was being manipulated by an adult to like do his bidding. So I think it like there's so many levels, but I love the idea that Simon was like, Oh, I fight all the time, all the things, but I've never like decided to do that. Like I'm deciding to do that. And the thing that I'm going to fight for like is Baz. So Baz, oh man, Baz during that whole breakup was killing me. Well, first of all, I want want to rewind a little bit when, you know, before the breakup happened and Baz went to visit his father, Baz with a baby, the end of me, the absolute fucking absolutely dead, taking care of the baby, talking about changing nappies, singing him songs. I just. I change nappies now. Not that I know how it's all I do. (laughs) Also, these names for these children. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I thought Mordelia was bad. Mordelia is bad. Yeah. It's better than all the other ones. <laughs> they They're all baby Swithin. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Like, no wonder Baz didn't remember that baby's name for two years. Baz, Baz made it out. <laughs> yeah, with Tyrannus Basilton. <laughs> but Baz, you know, he, get, he gets to be Baz. He doesn't right. You know. So I don't know how, how you fix within. But yeah, that, that breakup scene is, is so horrifying from Baz's person. It, it's just like, they love each other so much. And he's just like, please love, please don't do this. Like Simon's, Baz being like, I'm, I'm not happy, but I'm smart enough to realize that losing Simon would only make it worse. Like that is so sad. That is so sad that he's like, this relationship is miserable. It's, it's awful, but I'd rather be in it than out of it. It's so, oh, at that moment, I was like, this needs to end. Mm-hmm. This relationship needs to end. Simon needs to be better. It's such for a shitty move on. for Simon to write the note. But at the same time, it's like, the reason he did that is because he knew that he wasn't going to be able to break up with Baz Mm -hmm. and that he needed to break up with Baz. And like he did it shitty and he's a coward. Like I already said, not all that stuff is still true, but he was like still right. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, it, Oh, it just, it sucks. Like it would be great if Simon could have been like a little bit fixed before he broke up with Baz. So it wouldn't have been so hard for Baz, but if that was true, then (laughs) we wouldn't have had to do the breakup in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It just breaks my heart to see Baz like just happy for any crumb that Simon mm-hmm. was willing to yeah. give him. That's really and that that's such a pervasive thing in this book for him, even after they get back together of him mm-hmm. just being so insecure about that. But I think for me, obviously we're all 
we love Simon, but we also hurt so much for Baz. We did throughout all of Wayward Son, but like the first moment then that I was like super proud of him in this book is doing exactly what you said, Melissa, is like the he's choosing finally for the first time. This quote like really got to me. This is when he finally comes back. What I mean is as soon as I turned against the mage, I left the map. It was like I walked right out of the story everyone had been telling about me. I started losing and I didn't stop. You felt like something I grabbed on my way down, but I never believed I'd get to keep you. I didn't get to keep anything. What did I get to keep, Baz? So like the fact that he's like, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actively choose this. Just I was really proud of him for his self-awareness in that moment to to come to that conclusion even early on and to have Baz really say like one thing to him that like weasels in his brain because Baz knows him so well that like that's what sets Simon back on the path to like okay we're gonna we're gonna try to do this and it just made me really happy. Baz like we get a we get a lot of both of their like thoughts during uh like the breakup, but also when they're getting back together. But um, in the conversation when they are getting back together, I was really proud of Baz when he is thinking like Simon is right there being like, I want to try. And Baz is thinking, what would it take for me to believe him? And like, what do I need in the meantime? And I'm like, oh, Baz. No, it was like, perfect it because so bad to have to like think about those questions because sometimes the answers to those questions are like, not what you wanted like yeah sometimes like he talks a lot about he says like this refrain a lot like what i deserve what i'm allowed in this first part he says like what i can withstand which is so fucking heartbreaking but it's like you have to decide those things even if the answers are ugly yeah Oh my god, they're totally just back together and I'm already a mess. We didn't even talk about how Baz (laughs) Fiona's like, Baz, turn your emo music off. This is emo shit. And Baz is like, I am emo shit. That's one of my favorite quotes. It's so good. Baz will turn me too. Listening to James Blake on repeat. (laughs) Pissing off his neighbors. This is I'm dying, I'm dying. This is death. Simon's in my stomach. He's in my heart and he's punching. Like it hurts so bad. But I really like like I said, like I mean, like we've been talking about the breakup really needed to happen, not just for Simon to kind of get that wake up call and be like, oh, there is something I'm I'm still willing to fight for. Um, but also for Baz to find that kind of that breaking point, you know, and know what like he is and is not willing to up with like withstand like you said in a relationship so even though he does still like there are still hard like obviously they have such a long road ahead of them but baz has like limits now i feel like Mm -hmm. he's willing to advocate for himself in this relationship but just like also during the breakup like one of the lines i loved so much and i don't like i loved this line but i loved it even more in the audiobook because of the line reading but paz is just sitting there and he's just going fuck this is bad and it's like it is bad, it, is bad. it sucks and it sucks to have to realize like oh no i'm going through it <laughs> what's going to yeah. happen to me one of the things we talked about in our last episode was How, again, kind of what I was saying before, like, how can these two deal with their shit and be the people that they need to be for each other? And I think a lot of times in stories that we're drawn to, we love our characters to, like, grow individually and 
a room a romance that like amplifies those things i think all the time about what melissa said about um some of our other favorite fictional boys adam and ronan about how they like grew together as trees they have their own strengths and they're just so interwoven in that same way and i don't think that's the case for simon and bass but what i and so normally what i'm trying to say is that i like my characters to have their own individual things and that they like bring them together and then just kind of like strengthen each other and i I was worried about how if if we went on this path where they're together, Simon and Baz the whole time, how can they grow and not use like their love for each other as a crutch? But like I like then how ultimately, even though it kind of goes against what I often look for in my like relationships that I really like, she convinced me that they are the best way to deal with all of their shit to, in, in the best way for them to do it is together. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't like that, the idea generally like love is enough. Like love will help us through, but like sometimes it is maybe like sometimes you really do just need that. Like one person to really help you process through a lot of things. And, and I think she did it in a way that shows that like, that doesn't make it easy, but it, it is enough. You know, I think Simon says that to Bass at the end to like, Baz is like, I, I know you lost a lot and I know it's not enough to have like happiness just with me, but like, you're still you. I, I still love you. And, and Simon just says, it is enough. And so it just, it really worked for me. Even though I was really concerned about like how she would get me there in a way that felt like it wasn't sacrificing their own aut- autonomous development with each other. I love that we got so much of, we talked in our last episode about how like, there are times and there are things about their relationship in Wayward Son that we only get from Baz's point of view. And now I'm realizing because Baz was the only one who was thinking about it in those terms. So it's like Simon's brain just would have been like Simon brain, like who knows what his thought process was. But in this book, we get so much more of it. I love this line where he says, or he thinks, you know, I'm more than a bit worried that I was only able to move forward with Baz these last few days because the fear of losing him was like having a knife to my throat. Like what happens when the danger fades? And I like, that's really true too. Um, And I love that Simon, like through the whole book, Simon is thinking like, is this it? Is this what people do? Is like this how you do it? Do you just keep talking and like keep touching and keep trying forever and it's like that seems so basic because we did not grow up like Simon Snow and we have read a ton of books like Bass says at the beginning of this book that no one told Simon the old stories so Simon doesn't even have like fairy tales or like you know old movies to like tell him how people make relationships work yeah like it's And that might be a good segue into talking about the intimacy stuff in this book, because one of the things that when I first read it, I was like, and I had the same reaction, which Baz does when Simon says like, it was, it worked for me because I, like I had a mission, like I wanted to make you happy in this moment. And like, I, in the back of my mind, I was doing it for me too, but like, really it was for you. And I think that it's kind of just what you were saying, Melissa, like he has not been taught intimacy in any setting at any point he's only just been this chosen one and so that's how he needs to like frame a lot of his point of reference going forward and it makes sense to me that that's how he can finally get to be with Baz in a more intimate way 
because he's like, okay, like I, I'm doing this for you, for you now. It's just, it's, it's not just another mission, but it's, I have an end goal in mind here. And Hey, I had fun too. <laughs> it broke my fucking heart when Simon is like, anytime like Baz gives me his heart, it makes me want to run away. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 So I guess, one of the things that like really struck me in particular after I was rereading this after again, I'm listening to rainbow talk about this book the other day, she said in her event that day that one of her, the saddest moments in the series for her is when Simon says no one has ever kissed him anywhere at, at but the mouth before. And he just really doesn't have any physical affection in his life ever or any affection in his life ever. And so then I really like then how, initially his whole thing is that he wants to like inhale Baz. Like he can't get enough of it because he's been so starved for it for so long. And I think it's really interesting too how that he talks at one point about how the magic took a lot out of him. He says, quote, it was always there. Even when I wasn't using it, they didn't starve me in the care homes, but it wasn't pot roast and all the scones you could eat. I'd come back to Watford so hungry. I could hardly think one year I went straight to the dining hall and sat there eating from lunch to dinner. So it's like, he's been so starved of so many things that his like initial reaction is just like binge it, like get it Mm -hmm. as much as he can, as fast as he can. And it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Which is why I like love that first the night after they finally come back together and he it, it baz is like okay oh is, is this happening what's happening and then simon just kind of breaks down and it's just it's such a beautiful poignant and just thoughtful way it makes so much sense with everything we know about simon of like how he would handle that situation Ah, rainbow yeah i think the in- intimacy stuff was handled really well especially going back to melissa what you were talking about with um the way Simon talked about in this book about how he's lived his entire life by the seat of his pants. Like he doesn't know anything but being in the fray. And then you see that translated into their um, intimate moments. Like Simon Mm -hmm. cannot handle being touched in a soft way. He has to be handled roughly because that's just what he's, that's his whole psychology. You know, he's used to being, it has to be a fight almost. And I, I like that, like how deep into the, the kind of like almost not touch averse, but like trauma relating to that. I think because a lot of times in fiction, we see people that have like trauma related touch aversion issues. And a lot of people in fandom will interpret that as them being asexual or something. But I think that like non-asexual people interpreting that is kind of a problem because I feel like it implies that, that, that asexual people all have trauma relating mm. to touch yeah. or relating to to sex or something and how in this book there's not really re- a lot of room for interpretation in that way because Simon very much does want a sexual relationship with Baz and I like that that rainbow shows that like this these things aren't aren't correlated asexual people aren't damaged in some way like that's not necessarily where they're coming from it might be where some people are coming from but I don't think that has much to do with sexuality I think sometimes that interpretation is definitely a textual thing, but in this case, I don't think it is. And I like that kind of pushback on that really common narrative that we see that like, oh, if this person has some sort of trauma and doesn't like to be touched, that means that 
they're asexual, which implies that asexual people are traumatized, which I think is a really problematic way to come at from that. Just because someone has like intimacy issues or issues around touch, like you can't assume that they don't have like underlying like passions or sexual feelings. It's just like Mm -hmm. there's something preventing like the outward sharing of those thoughts and feelings. There's this line after they're like Simon's like first breakdown where he's like, I can hardly believe it. Like I really expected to be miserable for days after breaking down so completely, but I'm still here. Like that is one of the times where I had to like put the book down and just like sit in my like relief. It just felt so good to like hear Simon like recognize that even though this didn't go exactly how he wanted it to go, like it's still progress and like Baz is still there. He's still there. Like they're still doing this. They're still trying. Ugh. I think watching them work through that, like the complicated sexual dynamics of their relationship was so important and seeing how like they worked through that step-by-step with Baz there, infinitely patient the entire time. So comforting is not, not pushing anything, not expecting anything. Um, wanting whatever Simon was willing to give him. And super willing to be like, hey, this is how I like it. Right. That stuff was like so healthy. It was so beautiful. I don't know if I've ever, like we could talk about how this is the sexiest book that Rainbow Rowell has ever written. I've never read any any kind of, I mean, I think she said in interviews too that this is like the, I don't want to say it's not smutty, but you know what I mean? Um, The most explicit she's ever gotten Mm -hmm. uh, with sex. And I don't know if I've ever read anything that, used sex in such like a, a plot critical way not outside of fan fiction <laughs> yeah character development way yeah. right yeah it was it was absolutely intrinsic to the plot it was it was so important for for Baz and Simon for their uh growth together I, I've honestly I don't think I've ever read any yeah. book that that used sex so intentionally and so critically. I'm so glad she went that way because we talked about this actually in our last episode too. Rainbow had tweeted like years ago. People ask her all the time, do Kath and Levi have sex? Do Simon and Baz have sex? Do Eleanor and Park have sex? And I always felt, she's like, I don't know if that's my place to say and I don't know if I'll ever go there. And like, she went there and I'm so glad she did because it was so important. Again, you know, not even, we're taking a lot from it as adults, but like, again, we have to go back to the fact this is like for young readers and it's great for them to see all that there. So I'm really glad she went all in. I knew, we also said too, uh, in our last episode, like it was rated like mature or something. We're like, is it mature for violence? Is it mature for sex? Like, what's it going to be? And I just, as soon as I saw that the confirmation that Simon and Agatha had had sex, I was like, I think we're going to go there. It's sex. <laughs> it's sex. Like it's happening. Um, which I love that revelation as well. Totally tracks for me that they did totally tracks mm-hmm. for me that Simon's like, it was just going through the motions, which I feel like is something that I have heard from people who later, um, we'll talk about Simon's sexuality here in just a second as well, but like people who have later come out after dating in a more heterosexual fashion and who have been physically intimate. It's like, you're just doing the thing you're checking and boxes. It, it, you're t- yeah. So it like makes sense. And that doesn't negate the emotional connection, which we've just discussed that they do have. Um, but I, I love that they share that with each other and Simon apologizes and, and as is like, no, like, no, I knew like, don't apologize. Like you were together. I loved how I loved all of that. But then I was like, Oh wait, no, we're going here. And I'm just so glad that she did. 
um, because I felt it was really important. We've maybe talked about this amongst ourselves before, but I mean, we all read some amount of fan fiction, but like, I have never really gotten into like Snowbat as fic, mostly because I read like smutty ass fan fiction and it just felt <laughs> really incorrect and like a betrayal to these characters to like read them having sex anytime in their story, like before I read this book. And then like once you get to like the chapters of sex in this book, I'm like, I thought like this doesn't work for me, but like here it is. Like reading this book felt like reading fic in the way that like it, it just gets down into like the nitty gritty of like the feelings in mm-hmm. a way that I feel like most like canon. And the plot I is guess. so tangential that like it, yes, it's not like this is at like all. plot yeah. what plot except for its exactly. feelings and its canon. Yeah. Like what a fucking blessing, Rainbow. It's so good. <laughs> Let's talk briefly about the scene where they discuss Simon's sexuality because I bet it's going to be kind of polarizing as is just the fact yeah. that Rainbow has written this book at all as, again, we've talked about before, like as a seemingly straight, straight person. person. Yeah. So one of the things she also said in uh, on release day was about how like she was asked why she chose to write two boys falling in love and the event was done really well she because she can't tour right now due to covid she um had fans that she's met over the years whether they be artists cosplayers like just people she's met and connected with online not me after c2e2 fine right right <laughs> where where was our invite rainbow um <laughs> but anyway it was really nice so this is like from a fan that she'd engaged with previously and she said that kind of one of the things we we're talking about earlier too is like choice like the chosen one is never given a choice in any matter and what she wanted. And she was not saying that like sexuality is a choice, but like she was saying, I want the chosen one to be able to choose to love who he wants to love, like not be forced to be with the girl, whoever expects he's going to be with. Like he's, that's very important to me. So I liked hearing that perspective from her. Um, Cause that makes a lot of sense. But then I also, I like this conversation. I don't think there need to be labels. That's that. Great. I'll say like at first I was I was a little bit annoyed by it. I will I was a little bit annoyed that Simon was so dismissive of the of the conversation entirely. Yeah. About his uh sexuality. Um but I think it felt more important to me and to Baz that he define it. But when I took a couple of steps back and um I actually think it's better this way because like we talk so much about how important representation is um, in books and queer representation and this and that. Um, But I mean, part of that is, is this kind of approach to sexuality. Sexuality is so fluid. um, It exists on this, on this huge spectrum and it is not important for everybody to slap a label on that and to strictly define it. Some people just want to, take their time to figure it out. Some people never really want to figure it out. Some people don't want that label at all. And I think, I mean, that kind of representation matters too. Like he's just allowed to be, you know? Yeah. I love the line where Simon says, maybe that makes me gay or maybe that just makes me yours. I love, I love this too. Um, the Christ Baz, I never thought I was straight. I never thought about it at all. Like yeah. maybe that just, you know, I feel like that kind of, is, is Simon all over? Like he it says, like not, I wasn't need. straight when I was coming to your soccer practices. Yeah, <laughs> he literally doesn't need that. that. He literally says that it's canon. He says that. 
Um, no, I, I, I like that really much a lot. Um, at first I, I felt the same way. Like people aren't gonna, I don't think people are gonna like it, but I, and I was like, yeah, I kind of agree. But then it worked for me. The one thing I don't like in terms of like sexuality stuff in this book, which I told Tasia had a uh, time was the Metali's line about like, why can he just have like a normal midlife crisis? Like all our friends are coming out as bisexual. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, we, but that. yeah, I just think that that just like, I think that tracks for her. And yeah. For her it generation. Does. It does. There's a yeah. lot of Metali. Yeah. There's a lot mm-hmm. of lines from Metali that I'm like, you, my lady have some growing to do. Yes. Um, yeah. I yeah. think that she's a brilliant yeah. musician, musician, a brilliant musician and a pretty good mom considering everything that she's got going on with this brood of children of hers. But it's like she says a couple things where I'm like, lady. And then this is I'll talk about this more in the episode. But um, like Penny calls her on it at the end. We've already mentioned it like briefly. And I'm just like, yeah, Penny, tell her. Yeah. I also want to take a second just to <laughs> highlight Simon. Um I'd like to see that you're a pervert. I just appreciate a job well done. Simon talking about wanting to watch Baz drink the rat. Simon out there repping for all the competence kinks out there and you love to see it. Yeah. Love that for him. I just love honestly the, in a book of incredible, beautiful scenes, for some reason, the rat hunting in the alley scene is maybe my favorite because we get this incredibly emotionally vulnerable discussion from them for the first time where they're talking about the fact that Simon had sex with Agatha. And we're talking about the fact that, um, the like that Baz has to hunt rats. Simon says to Baz before that, Baz, if you really don't want me to be ashamed of what a, of what a complete and utter shambles I am, you can't be ashamed of your thing either. You already know I don't care. I've known you were a vampire since we were fifteen. So like, I love that we're dealing with Baz's stuff here too, and Simon is helping with that, and he's like just totally accepting of it. And one of the things, you know. We don't. We haven't talked a lot about it yet, but like Baz's own lack of self confidence in himself is so hard to read throughout all these books because every we all love him so much and know how great he is, but he really does put on a, a lot of a facade. So I I really love to how Simon again his mission. He he he. It's great for him that he has Baz to to focus on as like, I, I love this person and I'm going to help him through his shit too, because he's helping me. And just the growth, the communication, we love to see it. Love to see it. There's also this really great line where Simon's like, how can you be so insecure, Baz? You're the most arrogant person I know. And Baz says they run on different tracks. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, Also though, everything about like Simon and Baz hunting is so it's so emotional and so funny um simon's so into the idea of baz drinking his blood which is so so relatable and so funny and i and love a big thing in fic a big a, thing in snow bass fic in yeah. uh vampire draco fic too what um <laughs> <laughs> but we get these like two of my like favorite things come out of this, which is Baz is like, oh, bloodletting is fine, but intimacy is the real taboo. Like you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's facts. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it. Yes. Yes, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Um, but also when Simon is like, um, like I want you 
he says like I want you to he says he wants him to drink his blood like because it's hot and Simon is like for fuck's sake so and he yells so loud that like the birds scatter out Mm. of the trees but he had talked about earlier he talks throughout the whole book about how he doesn't raise his voice he's like my dad doesn't yell later in the book he says like I wouldn't even yell in that situation but like he will yell for fuck's sake at Simon when Simon says that having his blood drank by baths would be yeah but I love he can't that. handle it. <laughs> but I love that Simon, like Baz in that moment is like, no, like mm-hmm. this is a hard no for mm-hmm. me. Like for all these reasons, like I don't want to be that person. Like I don't want to be that vampire. And Simon's like, okay, he backs off. And I, I, I really liked that aspect. Respecting each other's boundaries. Oh like I also would be disappointed by Baz not drinking my blood there too. I, I, I know. know. It would be really hard to let that <laughs> I go. Get it. I get it, Simon. <laughs> it, would, it would be very hard. Simon is like, uh, never say never. And then he straight up runs away. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, are you always such a mess? Because like, Baz is just like blood covered because he's like so shocked. Because Simon's like facing the wall kicking. He's like, yeah, I slashed with Agatha. And he's like, well, that rat. So... It's oh, it's just such a good scene, and it like should be gross, but like I, I just love that it sets them up on such a good path then to go through this book, and it was really, really great. We'll talk about both of their, I guess, endings and what our thought is on like where things wrap up for them, because um, I think some of that kind of ties into what we've already been talking about. But I also then I think we should you need know, to talk specifically about the wing stuff because. Mm-hmm. The scene of the wing removal, even though the Agatha moments were really lovely, was very, very, very hard for me to read. I was sweating. It. I was so me. tense. Yeah. So one of the things I think was really interesting, we can like all debate like what our thoughts are and like what is going to happen with him and the wings. But like one of the things that front of the pod Joy put in, um, posted in our, our book club was a about how a lot of this read about like body positivity and like going through the world like it, 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 rainbow has talked again a lot about this too in terms of writing like eleanor of eleanor park is a um a fat character like she is doing these things on purpose and a lot of that felt very intentional with simon not just his own comments on his changed body after he's no longer like this scrawny kid like fighting to save the world every day but also like the wings and his discomfort with them being out in the world. And I just, I really, I really like how he struggles with that and how it kind of can be a stand in for whatever body issues we all have. And, you know, Baz says to him at one point when they're on the tube, like, and Simon is, has his wings like hunched up behind him, you know, he's like, people are going to look at me. And Baz says, you know, bodies come in different shapes and sizes. Like no one's going to look at you. And Baz is right as always. But I I liked all that stuff with the wings and the tail and how that was handled in this book. Because that was a big question. Like, is he going to get rid of them? Like, what's going to happen? Is he a dragon, et cetera? Um, so I, I personally liked it all. What do you guys think? I just keep thinking about all those scenes, um, not just in this one, but in Wayward Sun 2, where Simon flies. And it's some of just like the purest happiness he gets in in any of these books. Um, it's him at his his happiest and his most free, and he, he loves flying. My hope, and and I think this is probably where it's going on his uh, journey to 
self-love and his healing and from his all of his trauma is um, that he'll keep the wings, not because I'm particularly uh, attached to them, which I am, but um, or because Baz is, or because Baz is, and he Baz is, is. Um, but because they're a huge source of happiness for Simon. And one of the things I think that might contribute to this too is um, him finding out at the end because this was a big question and, and a problem for Simon throughout this book was that he believed that he was never a magician at all. He was mm-hmm. just some some random kid off the street that was a normal and that was just you know used by the mage and given all this magic. But when he finds out that he is actually a mage, or he was, um, and he came from you know a long line of magicians, I think that's going to go a really long way toward him accepting himself and accepting his current role, even without his magic, because that was such a, a way that he defined himself his entire life. And so even though he's lost it, he hasn't lost that identity because he's still a mage. Yeah. Even if he can't do magic. I think too, I hope he keeps them. I think he really does perk up at the end then where uh, Shepard mentions like how you can get like specially tailored shirts with like little buttons to hide your various appendages. So I like to think he keeps them too for all of those reasons. Oh, I agree with you both. I think that he keeps them. Um, chapter 32 is like the tail chapter. Um, mm. I was literally just thinking, I was like, how much like tail fic is being, oh, is being furiously What do you need fic for? Right now. It's, it's in the, the right, canon. Right. <laughs> um, no, but so one of my favorite like lines and one of my favorite callbacks to carry on is in that chapter with the tail and all the feelings because Baz thinks like is it wrong that I like him like this like you know is it wrong that I like him like sad and looking to me for comfort and I just like the way that he said like I like him like this because Simon says like I like him like this under my hands under my thumb in carry on and I just love a callback there were so many good ones like Mm -hmm, so many when they finally like get back together, the and then he kisses me like was so so good. <laughs> um, also us all wearing this shirt like that's like not necessarily a callback, but that's something that like the fandom has been really into, like the idea of Simon wearing Baz Watford uh, jersey and what does he say? So he goes, "Have I manipulated this whole scenario just to see snow in my Watford shirt? Perhaps take it up with the courts." Like bats having chest hair, like cannon. Thing, cannon. So like it was. There's so many good little moments. Love like just turns of phrase, which are her big things. One of another one of my favorites, which is just like specifically my shit because I always talk about cigarettes. Um, but in Carry On, Nico talks like about how the pitch brat gave him a taste for cigarettes after he lit one up in the club. And then Baz is like, Fiona is not allowed to smoke cigarettes in the car with me because I do not trust her with an open flame. And then we see Fiona and Nico out here smoking like jewels or whatever, just like e-cigarettes. And I just. Baz is lying about that. He's like, and everyone will have to know, like the worst part of it. Well, everyone will know you died because of vaping. He (laughs) calls it a fucking nicotine whistle. I laughed (laughs) so hard, so hard. 
The Baz so, and Fiona stuff was really good. The ba- yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about like Baz, Fiona, and like Baz reckoning with like his own role as a child soldier, which mm-hmm. when we talked in our first episode, Melissa, that was one of the things you said, because we talked so much about like Simon reckoning with his traumas, like the chosen one. And you're like, everyone's a fucking child soldier. You're like, it, we talked about that, so I, but I never thought we were going to get it. I thought she was really only interested in talking about it vis-a-vis like Simon, but like the bringing back Pippa with the voice box was mm-hmm. incredible. So good. And that reveal is so freaking good too. Cause it is when you, when I was reading it the second time, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this is all right here. Like I didn't give too much thought to it when they like recognize her, but she doesn't say anything. And they I, like, I didn't even think about it at all. And then when you're reading it again, you're like, damn. And Baz didn't think yeah. about it at mm-hmm. all. You know, they, because they believed the fucking adults who said that her yeah. voice would come back. Right. And I loved that Baz holding Fiona ac- uh, accountable for that, mm-hmm. for using yeah. him and manipulating him into doing this horrible thing to somebody else and him uh, taking steps to redeem himself for that. Yeah. He says, like, my aunt's not going to tell me how to be a good pitch anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, Baz. But then this scene where they go to cough or they go to get tea. You had the best mom, Baz. You lost the best mom. And I knew that your dad and I would never make up for it. But we had to try, right? And when I hear you tell me what a shit aunt I've been, I think, well, yeah, I've always been shit compared to Natasha. If she were here, she would have done a much better job with you. But she isn't here. She isn't here. And I'm not sorry that I tried to be. Like, it's just, like, beautiful. She And she is in the voice box back. She's not, like, totally, like, yeah, like, I shouldn't have made you like do all these things but it, it's like a perfect it's just it's perfect to make me cry like it was just a great moment for their relationship and i love to i'm gonna steal i'm jumping ahead to this note that you have melissa about how we need to go back to watford his big where's adam parish in the dreamer trilogy energy <laughs> because like it didn't matter like it didn't matter i yeah. could not it was so funny like the emergency at watford that we've been stressing over for like however long was that fiona got arrested for trespassing <laughs> <laughs> but then like baz giving her the ring at the end oh my god like, i always thought my dad uh wanted me to give it to a girl and she's like Simon Snow is not giving getting this fucking ring and he's like homophobic (laughs) (laughs) I still love that scene where they're in where they're in Fiona's flat and she's like take care of my nephew Simon Snow and he's like he knows that there's some dude that turns out to be Nico in her room and he's like take care of my aunt whoever you are (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny um, while we're here briefly, and then we can talk about Simon being va- or Simon Baz being a vampire as our number one Nico stand. How you doing, Melissa? Oh my god, I texted like other friends that we know who were reading the book when I got to it, and I was like, I know you guys aren't here yet, but I'm just saying, like, if this man who's in Fiona's bedroom is not Nico, I'm gonna flip a fucking table. <laughs> I was so happy. And Baz talks about how Nico is handsome in an angry way, which I love that. Like, I wish that Nico got to do magic, but this is this is great. Fiona is like, he makes me happy. He's going vegan, so he will live a normal life. Like, well, yeah. not normal, but like normal lifespan. Oh, I'm so happy. Talk about Swoon, too, for Nico. He's like... What's the point of being immortal if I can't be with her or something? And it's like, oh, my God. 
Congratulations, Fiona. Yeah. I love him. So grumpy. So grumpy. So good. I wish that there had been a little bit more about like him and Ab. Mm-hmm. Particularly together. I wish that too. But I, I ultimately was really happy. But let's talk then about one of our big questions going in was like, what does Baz's presumed immortality mean? And like, would we get resolution on it? I love that we just get like this one line. Me too. You're not going to find immortality in the bottom of whatever a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I, I felt like it was sufficient. We get like two, and we'll talk about the Simon stuff here in a second, two huge reveals here on very quick, quick, quick moments that make ironclad sense plot wise, like where they come from. And I liked it that those are the two things then that these boys still have to like reckon with going forward is like Baz is being a vampire and can, can continue to understand what that means. And then Simon's understanding of like who he is and where he came from. I loved it. I felt sort of shortchanged. Yeah. If I'm honest about it, because Baz had his own emotional journey and in, in his like self identity crisis and in, in wayward son. And here it's just completely shuffled to the side. And the whole book is about Simon's recovery and his, his healing from his trauma felt very much like Baz was just sort of a Simon support system in this book. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get a whole, I mean, he got the, the Pippa stuff, which was really good him and his aunt stuff. But other than that, it felt like Baz's entire world revolved around Simon. And I would have liked a little bit more of the vampire resolution throughout the book and, and let Baz kind of sit with that and mm-hmm. have his own kind of story in there a little bit more. Yeah, I guess I kind of see that. Although I do think he did get a chance to like think more about that. Like we get, again, the rat hunting scene where he is, he's hidden so much of that. We we see how he, I, I think Ray Ward's son was more his book. And this is, this is a Simon's trilogy. So I do think like it made sense that we get a little bit more of Simon this book. But one of the things that I think I really like as a carryover from Wayward Son is the idea that book ends with prologue and i feel like this book is still the prologue for both of them we get kind of an ambiguous ending for both of them where they again they have to grapple with huge things still and that makes sense because like it was never going to be like everyone's good it's not going to be all as well like they have things to work on together and they learn the tools with of how to do that in this book and they're going to be there for each other's too <laughs> and i have a lot of feelings about it so it worked it worked for me melissa you wear a tiebreaker. Um, I mean, I see both points. Like, I'm so in love with this book right now that I feel like I'm a little bit like no notes, but <laughs> that will like change as time yeah. goes on. The thing that I loved them, I think that for me, resolution about like Vaz being a vampire has never really felt that important to me, and I don't exactly know why. Like, I would have loved to see more of that. But I think that I can just headcanon that that is like what Baz will do with his adult time, which is like make the world of mages better for vampires. But what I really loved was this line 
from Penny that's like, Baz, you were a child doing something that an adult you trusted like told you to do regarding the Pippa thing. And she's like, join the fucking club. Like we, all of these adults are fucked up. We are all fucked up. Like, you know, and so it's like that, I like that resolution for like what they went through in their childhood, I think was more important to me than like the vampire thing. Cause that is like the time frame for that to get resolved, like isn't over. But if like Baz and Simon proceeded in this relationship without resolving some of this childhood stuff, like, you know, there would come a time where it's like too late to like really get in there yeah. and make this stuff better. I guess I just feel like Baz got less non-Simon related story in this that book than anybody else I believe did. is true. And yeah. and in Wayward Son, yes, he got, I feel like it, that was definitely more his story. But in the sense that what it really did was pose a lot of questions for Baz mm-hmm. that never ended up getting answered. Yeah. So Wayward Son, it true. is really about him, but it's about him questioning all these things or, you know, um, starting to ask these big questions and then nothing really comes from it. Just like I would have liked a little bit more for Baz that was not directly about Simon. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think for me, the moments where he says things like, you know, he he says at one point, like, I thought I was going to get married to some girl and then go shag men in the streets and pretend to be like a hidden vampire. Like, I didn't think I ever got more. Baz doesn't think he deserves the happiness that he gets because of who he is, because he's a vampire. So I think for him, uh, I think a lot of this book then, like him focusing so much on Simon is like also him realizing that he deserves that and i think what's really nice about the nico thing is that like you know he gives his aunt like some shit about it like he's he's not even in the book and she's like i'm not the book i don't care he's seeing a vampire like get to have a happy life and that person's gonna be in his life so for me it felt like he's gonna have someone to help him in the same way simon's gonna have his family that he now has to help him so i i get it but it just i guess it, it just worked for me a bit more but I do think too one of the things that's really interesting is like you know we kind of also talked on our last episode on this series about like plot things like what we would love like you know to see these kids just really turn the world's mages on their head and that's not what this book is about at all very loosely related plot like no plot like the plot is not really the important thing here except for kind of what you just said melissa is like them dealing with their childhood trauma and ultimately i think one of the only plot things we do get in this book is more commentary on that with this whole chosen one Mm -hmm. story so i think that's a really interesting who could not have believed like that that was where we were gonna go in this book not where i thought we were heading that was really really clever I don't know what you guys think of of that whole storyline. I was like thinking a lot about how like how Simon and Baz and Penny and Agatha keep ending up in these situations and like Penny's mom keeps saying like, oh, you make trouble. You know, you're one of three kids that couldn't. Um, you know, stay away from it. Like as if these children are just going to be forever embroiled in like these plots because like they can't help themselves. And I loved that even though this is like another plot thing that they do end up embroiled with and they do end up saving the day and none of it 
actually ends up being random. Like none of it ends up being that these kids like can't mind their business. It's that like Lucy and like the magic surrounding Lady Salisbury and Lucy and Simon was like drawing Simon back to these events because like this like Lucy spell wasn't over yet. And so I was, cause I was thinking a little bit like, this is one of those things where it's like, how do these stories ever stop? If like all of their life, they're going to keep getting drug into like every wild thing that happens in the world of mages, but it's not really that it's that this Lucy thing was not resolved. And like now it is. So it's like now they can finally settle down. And so I thought that was like the most, like the possibly the most interesting way to like have a plot in this book that really just wants to be about like resolving feelings. I, I'm obsessed with that take, Melissa. It's so good. I didn't even like think about like Lucy, like basically drawing them back into this. Oh, I love that so much. For me, I loved how then like on a more surface level, it just like forced Simon to reckon with like what it means to have been a chosen one. And he like really tries to find meaning in that by like seeking out Smith. And it's kind of frustrating because it's like, Simon, like stop trusting these people. They are not good. They don't want to help you. But like, he's like about to join a cult on site. What Mm -hmm. didn't we learn from Agatha? She accidentally got sucked into a cult. And and Simon himself from coming up, like from the other side of that and, and discovering himself to be what he thinks is a fraud. And then just instantly jumping into the first guy. That's like, I'm the chosen one. Someone's like, "Uh, all right. His name is Smith, Smith Richards. He's obviously (laughs) not chosen for shit. Okay. I love this from, (laughs) this was my favorite moment. Not my favorite moment, but like all the Lady Ruth stuff is so, so good. But I love when they, she's, she hates the mage, which obviously we stand. Um, But she also is so skeptical of the Smith, Smith Richards guy. Baz says this to her. Smith Richards also claims he was born under an eclipse. She rolls her eyes. Was he trying to convert you or get in your trousers? I mean, Baz agrees eating half a finger sandwich. (laughs) I just wrote Baz getting along with his grandmother-in-law. We love to see it. (laughs) I love how much Simon Simon just loves her immediately. He's like, hell yeah, I'm going to have so much cake. Hell yeah, check out my wings. You can call him Baz. It's and I love sad. how simple the reveal of of like their their family connection is. He just picks up a sword and it's like you're it's, you're Lucy's son and I it's just fucking I love obsessed that. with it. I hadn't even stopped crying from the sex. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. this happens. I was just unwell two times I read this book and two times I cried for 10 tra- <laughs> 10 straight chapters. With like, I love, okay, so many things, but like Simon pulls that sword and it's like empirical evidence. Like that there's no denying this. Like Lady Salisbury doesn't even blink for five seconds. She's like, my child, here you are. Like, that's amazing. But what's the best part of this is that like Simon, this is something that like Simon was already proud of like Simon was a good swordsman and so for this like very important hard to believe reveal to like build off of something that he already took pride in like literally makes me have to lay on the floor yeah yeah exactly like I think that goes back with like the wings and in and, and tail and everything too is that 
discovering he was a mage and also getting a sword again. That's like two two of his identities, his primary identities and his sources of like of self-worth and and it they're back. They're back. Even if he doesn't have magic anymore, he's got his sword. Yeah. And I just I feel really good about Simon's trajectory yeah, at too. the end. I love too how that builds on to like go ties in then with the whole plot plot of like in this book because like they one of my other favorite scenes between simon and baz Baz is when they're texting and baz has taken daphne back to hampshire and he's and simon's like we'd be mad tomorrow like i know i lied and i did these things and he's just like you know i wasn't the chosen one blah 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 and baz calls him on the phone and was like you know, you never let the world of mages down. You don't owe the magical community anything you never did, but you served it with unfledging honor. Like that is so important. I think for Simon to like ultimately realize in this book and then like picking up the sword and like having that be like a physical symbol of what he did and how great that was. Like, yeah, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have magic anymore, but he, he was this chosen one. He, he did what he needs to do. He did protect the world made he never gave up. And now he is starting again to learn the tools of like how you, how you deal, how you deal with that. And, you know, he thinks too earlier when thinking about Smith, like who's good, who's bad. It's all about what side of the wand you're standing on and who you're trying to protect. Like Simon is still going to be that person. He tells Baz, like, I'm not going to stop doing things that I think are best. Like if I can protect you and I can protect Penny. And I think that that is something that is really important for him too to realize like he doesn't have to be like magic to do that. Like he's just a good person and he, and now he has a sword. So if he still needs to do it, he can do it. It's just like all tied in for me really, really well at the end. And yeah, I'm good. So what do you guys think though about, the very last moment then with them is Simon crying. They're like, it's too much for me. And Baz saying it'd be too much for anyone. I liked it. Ugh, I like it because it's like Simon is there and they are like in an embrace and he's like saying out loud, like, this is too much for me, AKA, please help. Not being like, it's not his, we don't get that in his internal monologue. Like, I'm Simon. I'm running away from Baz and thinking about how this is all too much for me, which is what it would have been at the beginning of this book, which is what it was at the beginning of this book. Yeah. Growth. 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 And I, I think Rainbow has said too that she's like very nervous that people aren't going to like how this book ends for them. I think it is, even though it's like on the page sad, I felt very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Like we've all said. Mm-hmm. Oh, can we just talk briefly though before we do that? I just want to talk general thoughts about how this book and fits in within the structure of the trilogy. Basically, I want to talk about it just briefly because I walked away thinking like, I don't know that this feels like the most cohesive trilogy in the world. Like kind of feel like I read three separate books, but then when I step back and look at it, I kind of feel differently about it. Even the wayward son felt like such a, it, it is intentionally. So like a journey in a totally different direction. I don't know. As the final book in a trilogy, did you feel like it works as a trilogy or what were your thoughts on it? I think it doesn't feel that cohesive, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, Because we're documenting like three very different 
times in their life. Um, And, and like you said, I mean, we were son, I couldn't really say it's a different time in their life. It's like back to back. Right. But they are in a different place, different environment. Um, just beginning to deal with the fallout from the events of the first book. So while it might not be that cohesive and you can like plot it along this like line that makes sense necessarily. um, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think it works as a trilogy. And I think this one is, is easily the best of the three. Mm -hmm. Even if like, it leaves me feeling like it's a little bit unfinished, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I think it's I think my feelings of of loss like of of Baz and Simon and all of them are kind of combining with like the unanswered questions from this book and making me feel like that loss is greater mm. but I still think this is easily the best of the three. Yeah. One of the things I kept thinking about too is like I missed a lot of the humor from Wayward Son and a lot of ways Wayward Son for me and the balance has so much that I love because it has so much like we have the lists from Baz like about how funny he is but then it has those like beautiful heartbreaking moments in that book the prose is like out of this world I feel but then I realized too that like Baz being that way in those moments is like a defense mechanism to like hide how profoundly upset he is and so it's better that like he doesn't have to do that here because he's dealing with his shit and like communicating and dealing with feelings with Simon. So Melissa thoughts on the trilogy as a whole, how it works out. I will be honest. I don't really think that way. Like I never even thought about like how this works as a trilogy until you said that. And in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it works fine. It's three books. I read them. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but this one is my favorite, but I love them all. I already told you I'm in like the honeymoon stage with this book right now. Yeah, no, I I get it. Me too. I just like had a moment afterwards, I think, where I was like so shocked at like what this was. It was so different than what I thought it would be in the same way that Wayward Son was so different than we thought it would be. All They're all very different. It just took me a moment to be like, okay, I, I see what you've done, Rainbow, and I really very much enjoy it. So I just wanted to like get that out there because it took me like, mm, like a half hour of processing and sitting in my bed just being like, what what happened? <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> like I loved everything that I read, but now I'm like, step back. Do I like it? But I do. I I do really like this book, as I just talked about for a long time with y'all. So speaking of other things we really liked, superlatives. It is time. Okay, we did this in our last one, so let's do it again this time. Favorite spell, Melissa. Um, mine is the spell that Pippa uses on Smith Smith Richards at the end with Baz's wand, which I'm also obsessed with the fact that like she is the one who gets to do this. And the spell is what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And because he's deceiving them all, he gets wrapped up in a spider web and gets like trapped. So he has to like answer for his crimes. It's great. Love such a good one. Obsessed. Asia. Uh, I liked the yeet that, uh, so funny. Yeah, that was great. Um, we we love the pop culture references and the meme references. I also really like Penny for your thoughts because like how perfect for for her to have that like just in her pocket and like be extra good at it because it's her name. Yes, that's really good. I, that, I love that one too. I do have the Yeet one as my honorable mention. I just want to read the whole quote because it's so funny to me. To think that my teachers thought pop songs were unstable. My own son brought down a classroom wall with a Yeet. 
It's so funny. My favorite is winter, spring, summer, or fall, which Penny casts to find Simon after he's moved out. Because you can't hide from people who love you. I love it. All you have to do is call, baby. Great. Favorite quote. All right. Let's just go back and forth. Yeah. I don't have that many because there's already so many good ones on this. And I was like, we're going to be here all night. But just so you know. Well, we'll go pretty quick here. You never said, I say, haven't I? No, he frowns. I thought, I mean, I've killed so many things for you. I laugh. It might be another sob, but maybe it's just a laugh. What are you, a house cat? Am I supposed to know how you feel because you brought me a mouse? Perfect. No notes. No notes. <laughs> yep. Hell spells, mom says, whistling. You are well and truly fucked, young man. <laughs> Love it. Karen already said this one, but it's worth mentioning again, which is when Baz says, have I manipulated this whole scenario just to see snow in my Watford shirt? Perhaps take it up with the courts. I won't give up, Baz, unless you tell me to. Unless you're like really clear that you want me to. And even then, I won't give up. I'll just persist from a distance. <laughs> it's very funny to me. And seems just like very advanced thought for the uh, Simon Snow that we know and love because he's sometimes a bumbling idiot. He's using words. He's using big words. And I he's feel such like a at lad. some point in this book, Baz thinks like, Oh man, I wish I had written this down. Something about like I didn't expect this amount of like emotional complexity from Simon or something I like know. that. <laughs> um, Paige, I also love that you said that he was a lad because Rainbow just shared on Instagram like a text message with one of her like consultants that she used to like help with British stuff, and she was talking about what do they get at Nando's because they go to Nando's in this book and the woman just answers it herself. And it's just like, Simon gets like extra happy because he's a total lad. I'm like, he is a lad. He really is. I loved it so much. Melissa already mentioned this one, but it bears repeating. Turn off that music. Fiona shouts from the next room. No emo shit in my flat. I am emo shit. Um, how did I survive sharing a room with Simon Snow through my entire adolescence? Oh yeah. I remember furious wanking, furious, everything. Christ, I'm so scared. Already? Don't we get a day of clinging to each other before things fall apart again? I haven't eaten since the train yesterday. That's not true. You had rats. I didn't eat them, I say. Maybe you should. There'd be less waste. Maybe you should eat them. Then it could be something we do together. (laughs) You tried to fucking Van Helsing me, Snow. (laughs) So funny. People talk about previous partners. You've never mentioned Andy. I lash out. I don't have any, you halfwit. Don't you think you'd have uncovered them when you stalked me for three years? I don't know how you spent your summers. Reading, I say, violin, playing Mario Kart with my sister. <laughs> oh, our poor repressed Baz. <laughs> Reading. <laughs> I drain you fucking dry, Baz, and it still wouldn't be enough. Simon talking about if he were if he were Baz and he were the vampire. Oh, I already said this one. Bloodletting is fine. Intimacy is the real taboo. I like this one. This is just sweet when they go back to Watford to find out information about Smith Smith Richards. This was our place, Watford. Ours like no one else's. Maybe that sounds arrogant, but it's true. His because his mother died here. Mine because it was mine to protect. It's like love that we come back to Watford and finish the story there. It's great. Uh, This is when Baz calls Dev. And Dev says, well, if it isn't Basilton Pitch, did you take a break from getting your cock sucked and remember that you have friends and family? Took a break from sucking cock, actually. <laughs> so I love Simon's reaction. Like, he, he's like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? You just got done telling me you had no other partners. Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Who's cock? When Baz and Simon 
like are holding hands when they think ladies. Well, I don't know what they think. Lady Salisbury thinks that they think she's not looking, but she's like, they could both use a fierce ally. And she's like happy that they're together. <laughs> oh my God. So good. Um, I'm out of quotes, Tasia. So, all right. <laughs> I have plenty more. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> do none of you know about the goods of Watford? Uh, Snow knows all about them. Baz says they're practically his siblings. <laughs> So funny. So Such a little shit. I love it. And him. it's funny because in that moment, Neve is like, oh, rude ass. But it's like, you don't get it. Like, Ev was Simon's mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, do you have any more? <laughs> I will say it again because it's my favorite. Uh, because it's kind of hot. For fuck snake snow. <laughs> so funny. Right. If you can't be gay at Ikea, it's no reason. Where can you? True. Facts. I know a lot about furtively bashing one out while my roommate is off fighting magical crime, then hoping he doesn't wonder why I'm in the shower in the middle of the afternoon. So funny. Characters and arc. I mean, like, any book in which Baz Pitch exists, and for him not to be a favorite character, like, mm-hmm. would be wrong. Like, so Baz is my favorite character. Like, but always. Simon follows Baz around with his heart in his hands, and so do I. So do we all. Arc. Okay, so I said this is controversial. I like obviously love all the journey that Simon and Baz go on, but I'm just like really obsessed with Agatha's in this book, mostly because it's mainly complete. I don't not not necessarily done and over, but the most complete that we get in a lot of ways. Um, I'm shocked that we got as much as we did from her, and I think Simon and Baz are just like on the the beginning of their journey together upwards. So that's why I don't say them. Although obviously everything that happens with them in this book is is great. Uh, Simon's for my arc because I I think he he grows a lot in this one. For arc, I picked Penny because I really love seeing her like become aware of her place in the world of mages and how the world of mages like interacts with society at large. And as she becomes closer to Shepard, she like goes from thinking that normal should be like ants. And she's like annoyed with herself that he matters to her to calling out her mom for like essentially made supremacy because she says that thing that we already talked about. She says like, oh, at least Micah was a gifted magician. And Penny's like, for real, like today after we vanquished someone who was trying to literally practice like magical eugenics, like you are going to talk shit about people who do not have magic. And I just... Love that so much for her. That's such a hard journey to go on. And I, um, like, I think Baz could do more of that in these books, but I'm glad that some of it is here. Yeah. Poor Penny. Magical eugenics. God, it's like exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it in that term, but yeah. I do love though that there is a moment Baz says to Penny something like, who are you to say like it? His life is good. Who am I to like say mm-hmm. Daphne's life is good? We have so much power, yeah. more than we yeah. could ever like hope to have. Like we don't know what it's like, and it's a very important thing for them to think about because in both book or both books before this, we do see moments where they kind of look down on other people for not being as powerful as they are, and yeah. so for both of them to have that realization. I should have given Baz more credit because even at the beginning of this book, he talks about how like his parent he like oh my you know my family believes that you know magic is just a tool and if you work hard you'll be like successful and wealthy and he's like but that's obviously not true look at the bunces and when i read that i was yeah. like baz like can you see he's out there shooting down the bootstrap picture argument. at all or no like you can't yeah. um but you're right like he does he does talk about like how they don't get to say like who gets to be happy with their life 
you know, at all. And that's based on like magical power that he's thinking about. So like, you are right. Yeah. He does kind of like in the same Penelope's dad, um, cast some spell to give him and Daphne gin and tonics at the mm-hmm. end. And Baz thinks like, I mean, like someone who can cast that spell twice, like obviously it doesn't need like a level up. So he's still like kind of thinking about it, but there, yes, I, I, I don't know why I'm like throwing him back under the bus. <laughs> Our point is stands. They're both on a journey. They're doing better. Proud of you both babies. All right. Swoon. Um, I don't have that many again, because there's already a lot on this document and I talked about them a lot already. <laughs> um, but I'm going to repeat again because I think it is literally my top one, which is Shepard saying, come home with me or just wait for me. Let me come back to you on my own two feet. Dreamboat stuff. Good boy. Okay. Also, Shepard's last name is Love. So, <gasps> like, great moment. He's like, oh, do you feel better? Oh, does that feel less familiar to you, Penny? And she's like, can you kill me? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. My, like, single line that just, like, knocked my socks off was, kiss me in the catacombs, snow, unhallow the ground. Oh, All unhallow your ground. <laughs> So we we talked a little bit earlier about how even their breakup was super swoony and, and romantic and devastating. And this is a quote from that. I know I'll never love anyone like I love Baz. I know he's the love of my life, of all my lives. The mage believed in reincarnation of a thousand lives stacked on top of each other. Some lives we squander, he said, and some we seize. This was my life to find love, the truest love, the biggest, but it isn't my life to have it. Ouch. How dare everyone involved. <laughs> <laughs> I love yous in this book and also Simon calling Baz babe and Baz hating it, but also loving it. Just it like, and yeah. I definitely loved it. I loved it too. Okay. Um, let's do another one. Yeah. Simon in um, their like last scene that they're intimate together. He thinks again, like this is what people do. They keep trying. They keep holding yourselves. He says, I'll keep trying to keep him well, to keep him happy. Yeah. Um, I just need to briefly sidetrack to say that, like, the fact that you didn't talk about the I want to come on him line. Like, oh, my God. Your reaction to that when we were reading, like, <laughs> I'm dead. So, like, there, like, the sexy stuff in this book, I was, like, downright scandalized. And I think it was because. <laughs> I love that. Because I've I've never read that kind of thing from Rainbow. And, like, this is coming from, like, a seasoned smut reader, okay? Like, I. <laughs> I have nobody look at my <laughs> my TBR list or my Goodreads list. I have read some shit, okay? I was like, every time one of these lines came up, I was like, oh my God, Rainbow used the word cock. Oh my God. Rainbow. I know. it's. Uh, I want to come on him. I I think I was eating something and my, my jaw just dropped and food fell out of my mouth. <laughs> I was so shocked. I immediately oh, it's <laughs> messaged so Corinne. Good. Like, did this just happen? Like, did... did did those words just appear on the page? They I was I was shocked. They went a hundred percent. And that what made me think of it was like at the end too. Just like that last scene, like they're just like they're just naked, and like Bass was like, "This is all I've ever wanted." And I'm like, I wanted it for you too. It was just like it was overwhelming for me, but like it was just all so well done. So to have like a book that has like lines like I want to come on him, but like in a very emotional setting was just like what a feat from Rainbow. So yeah. good. The fact that he's like revealing his feelings, saying that too, like Rainbow. Yes, you're it's like unreal. It, it comes in like a stream of consciousness. Like mm-hmm. he's like I want to be with him. He's I like I want to kiss him. I want to blah blah blah. I want to come on him. And I was like, oh my <laughs> god. 
<laughs> and and to have words like that, but have the, like those those sexy scenes never yeah. feel salacious no. or like uh, fetishistic, fetishistic or anything. No, because they're so intrinsic to the plot. Yeah. Okay. This thing between us didn't start with us dating. It didn't even start when you kissed me. You're in me so deep, I wouldn't know how to dig you out. I may get fed up with you, but Simon, I'll never get tired of you. Just know, he says, that I'd do anything for you, that I'd let you do anything to me. There's nothing about you I don't want. And that's Simon talking to Baz. Again, (laughs) I love that he finally starts to tell him these things. After he says that, he runs away. (laughs) (laughs) Like, actually (laughs) runs. I love it. Bye. This just was such a quiet moment, and it just made me really smile and feel very emotional about them. He bites down and his face lights up. He's kissing my cheek now, holding his tea out to the side so it won't spill. What's that about? I ask. He noses at my ear softly. There's butter on these ham sandwiches. I thought you liked them that way. He nips at me. I do. Then he pulls back, still smiling. What a ridiculous creature. Happy that I put butter on his sandwich as if I wouldn't make the world spin backwards if I thought he'd like it better that way. Like soft. Oh, so soft. Love it. All right, this one's from Baz. I love you, I say. I may as well say it. I'm thinking it. It's all I ever think. I'm an I love you gun with a safety off, a finger constantly on the trigger. That one actually killed me. Like, I'm a ghost. It's so good. (laughs) Melissa's like laid back (laughs) on her chair. I'm trying to get to the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing we're recording this at night so we can all like just go have a a long lay down after this. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one more from Baz to Simon. I can touch you less gently, but I won't love you less kindly. Just, I loved that. I said it at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to make sure it gets into swoons too. When Simon says, I don't have the exact line li- written down, but when Simon says that he feels like he's following Baz around with his heart in his hands. Yeah. Just like a little dog, Simon. And of the Simon Snow trilogy, one of the beautiful things about these books is that they are going to be just again forever great on reread like we all love them so much already and we always love to reread and re-listen to them so that's like giving me some solace here but it i am like really sad that it's over yeah it's weird that like we we can revisit this anytime we want but i still feel like i'm gonna miss them so much yeah this was something too again like just the longest i've had to wait for a conclusion to something in a while that i've been like actively reading and it just, it's over. And I can't believe how fast it did go by. Like that cliffhanger at the end of We Were Sun felt like it was going to take forever. And she wrote really fast. And I really appreciate that. But it's still, it's still sad. Although she did say this. And I'll just read it and we'll like put it out there. Okay, that's why it's three books. But what about it being only three books is the question. I feel really energized by how much I wrote these last two years. I feel like I have a lot of other things I could write now. I'm super done with Simon and Baz at the moment. I've written so many words and pages about them, but I would never say I'm never going to write about them again. I think it's likely I might revisit them someday. But this story is over. If I were to come back to them, it won't pick up the next day, which great. Love that. I'll keep my fingers crossed. But if we don't ever get anything, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, maybe in the far future we can get the Tyrannus Basilton Grim Pitch trilogy, and it's all about him reforming the world of majors to include vampires and creatures. 
I would love but nothing none of the more. conflicts can be feelings because obviously Simon and Baz will never separate ever again. Ever. Never again. Ever. Rainbow. You know, I thought about like these books p- picking up potentially Ever. years in advance. And my immediate thought was just like, yes, I want daddy Simon and daddy Baz. Give me them. Give me I them in their mid thirties. When like, Baz brings Daphne it. back to the house and it's like, let me go take care of these kids for you so that you guys can have a moment. I'm like, I can't go out there with you and watch you hang out with these babies, Basil. And not just that. I didn't even really mean like parental (laughs) kinds of daddies. I'm just saying I want them in their mid thirties. I get that. But I also want like actual father. But now that I know that Baz hangs out with babies, I can't stop fucking thinking about it. Remember when Simon said that he thought that Baz's violin was actually for crying? And Baz was like, mm, yeah, I do like playing melancholy songs. So Simon's so like, I didn't even know it could make happy noises. <laughs> this is really sad because it doesn't feel like one of our first. No, that's not true. We like covered all the Raven Cycle, but there's still another one of those books to come in the dream in the in the Dreamer trilogy. Like this feels so finite. But we do have something else we're doing uh this summer. We, we want to announce our our big summer project. So we are going to spend this summer covering the Accord of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass. We are calling it our massive summer binge. <laughs> but <I'm laughs> that's so good. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and so next next episode, we are going to be returning to talk about the first book in that series, which is the um, titular Accord of Thorns and Roses. And we are going to be joined by returning guest Aubrey. Yes, we're very excited. Apparently, sometimes we'll be a YA podcast, but like not always. Although Actar is marketed as YA, even though I don't really think it, it is. It should not be, but it no, is. It is very. It has talking about like gratuitous sex. Like the shorthand for this entire series is just very porn. Like yes. that's just how it's how it's known. So keep that in mind. Following us this summer. It's 100% what it is, um, but we're really excited about it because it's such a popular series and there's a lot to chew on in terms of critical analysis there. And uh, it, it has a lot of flaws in some ways that makes it fun to, to talk about, but then we're also really obsessed with it also. So <laughs> balance. Um, so we're really excited to spend the next five episodes talking about all five books in that series. So join us for that. Melissa, we did not have you tell everyone what your podcasts are and where people can find you at the beginning. I apologize for that. But do it now. That's okay. So I am Melissa. I'm on Twitter at Mellow Yellow. <laughs> I do two podcasts. One of them is Wild Pretty Things. Um, we talk about movies and TV, uh, sometimes comic books and such. Uh, we are going to do a Black Widow episode and a Harley Quinn Ooh. episode coming up. So super women's. <laughs> and I do a Mad Men podcast called Still Great Bob, where we are re-watching Mad Men, me for the first time, actually, and we're on season four. Tasia, <laughs> where can people find you online? Hi, I'm Tasia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ragey Cakes. And you can find me on Instagram at Rin underscore reads. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at ActYouAge. You can also shoot us an email if you'd like at ActYouAgePod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on particularly Apple Podcasts, that would be very great. The more reviews and ratings we get, the higher up we get in search searches. 
uh, which would be great. We love more people to listen to us. Leave us reviews. We might read them. Do it. Yeah, we would like to do that maybe someday. Um, that would be great. So anyway, thank you guys so much for uh, for listening. Melissa, thank you so much. For thank back. you so much for having me and giving me this outlet to talk about all my feelings. Of course, we wouldn't could not have done this without you. And we'll still be talking about these, these boys for a long time to come, I'm sure, off air. Uh, but it's fun to have this here. Now, everyone, go read your fairy porn. Go read your fairy porn. Join us for the next five weeks. Thanks again, Melissa. See you all uh, next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.